Welcome to the sermon podcast of Grace Presbyterian Church. For more information about our church, please visit our website, gracechurchlaunceston.com. And you, we, we spent some time together in close proximity. What happened? When, when, when was that? Where? Uh, we spent close proximity in Sydney. We actually lived in the same unit block. Yep. We were Greek buddies. We struggled through Greek together. Um, it was a, a joyous occasion for, for at least us, I think. Yes, okay. And um, tell us where you grew up, um, what your background is, how you, maybe how you became a Christian or when, or when. Yep, yep, anything yep. like that. Just uh, grew up in Hobart, lived in Hobart for pretty much all our lives, except for um, a brief time when I travelled, uh, which was before... Uh, high school and uni, and then besides Sydney, but pretty much all our life has been in Hobart. I became a Christian when I was 21 through the University Fellowship of Christians, and then um, from there it's sort of like the Lord had his hand on us and said, don't do this, do this. And so since then we've pretty much gone down the path of pastoral ministry and um, yeah, found ourselves where we are at the moment, yeah. And you guys are leaving we are. Why are you doing that? Why am I doing that? <laughs> Where are you going? Because Tasmania is such a lovely place. We thought we can't stay. You know, we're, um, we, we dearly love Tasmania, and, and it's sad for us to go. But we'll be, uh, I've accepted a call to a, uh, a parish in Victoria, and we'll be moving to Rochester, Victoria, at the end of this year to start working right. at Rochester Presbyterian Church. So. Yep. Well, our prayers go with you, and thank you for bringing the word today. Thank you. All right, so we're going to be looking at the book of Philemon together. Um, as we do so, let me open up in prayer. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much that we can come and read your word, that your word is before us and that we can read it for ourselves. Our Father, as we look at this letter that Paul had sent to Philemon, we pray your provision that as we look at your word, that your spirit would be with us. Lord, that he would be our teacher and our guide. Our Father, we pray that you would prepare each of us to be attentive to your word. Give us ears to hear, we pray. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we open up this letter, we find Paul in prison. He's most likely in Rome. And it's considered that during this imprisonment, he wrote at least four letters, which we still have today. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and this letter... Philemon. And from these four epistles, this is the only personal epistle, the letter to Philemon. Now, we don't know a whole lot about Philemon, uh, but we can make some educated guesses. Philemon is most likely a wealthy Roman citizen. He most likely became a Christian under the ministry of Paul, perhaps hearing the gospel directly from Paul while Paul was in Ephesus during that three-year ministry. Uh, Philemon lives in Colossae, about 160 kilometers from Ephesus, and a church meets in his house. And in this church, he's quite involved. And since the planting of this church, it has come to the attention of the Apostle Paul that there is trouble in Colossae. Most likely Epaphras has searched for Paul and is asking for assistance, asking that Paul write to those in Colossae to address the problems that are there. And so Paul sends them a letter to correct them and remind them of the great hope that they have in Christ. 
and how to live in response to that great hope. And so he sends them a letter, the letter we know as Colossians. But he's also sending another letter. He's sending a letter to Philemon. Why? Well, because during Paul's imprisonment, he has met someone. He has met Onesimus. And Onesimus has become a Christian. But Onesimus is also a runaway slave. He's Philemon's runaway slave. And it's for this reason that Paul writes to Philemon. But we ask, why did I mention that letter also to the Colossian church? I think it's because you can't separate the two letters. Philemon, in a very short space of time, perhaps even on the same day, would have read, would have heard of these two letters. And so some of the things that is said in the letter to the Colossians would be in the back of his mind. And as he now reads this personal letter, So we need to have this information also in the back of our minds as we come to our passage today. And with this context, we now turn to the letter of Philemon. And as Paul writes this letter to Philemon, he writes with the main purpose of restoring the fractured relationship between himself and Onesimus, between Philemon and Onesimus. And today we're going to be working from the following three points. Our first point is aligning expectations. Our second is appealing to love. And then our third point, accepting Onesimus. As we start, we ask, what would have been the normal expectations for a slave returning to their master? Now, normally, if a master found his runaway slave, under Roman law, they could punish, beat, or imprison their slave for running away. In the eyes of many, a slave was an extension of their master's property. And Onesimus is likely a runaway slave. And as he ran away, he just didn't run. He took something from his master, goods or money. So humanly speaking, friends, the last thing Onesimus would like to happen is that he would be found and returned to his master, Philemon. But what happens? Well, he is found. And he's found by the Apostle Paul. Through some remarkable set of circumstances, Paul and Onesimus meet. And while in Rome, while having spent time with Paul, Onesimus, by God's grace, becomes a Christian. And becoming a Christian, Onesimus becomes useful to Paul. But Paul realizes that he needs to send Onesimus back to Philemon. But he doesn't send Onesimus empty-handed. This letter is given to realign Philemon's expectations as to how he should treat Onesimus when he returns. Let's see how Paul aligns Philemon's expectations. Please have a look with me at verse 4 and 5 of our passage, where Paul says, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. Now, where might have Philemon have heard this before? A faith in Christ Jesus and a love for all of God's people. Well, it's said in Colossians chapter 1, verse 4, 
And this faith, this love, Colossians tell us, spring from the hope that is stored for us in heaven, from which we have already heard in the true message of the gospel. What is this hope, we ask? Well, it's the hope of the resurrection. It's the hope of the defeat of sin fully and finally. Paul explains in the letter to the Colossians what Christ has done. And I think this is beautifully summarized in verses chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Let me just read that out for us. Chapter 1, verse 13 and 14 of Colossians. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, friends, what Christ does for the Christian is that he saves them from the grasp of Satan. He redeems them on the cross. And on the cross, he forgives them all their sins. It is this message that has changed Philemon. It is this message that has created in Philemon a faith in Christ Jesus and a love for all the saints. Paul then says this in verses 6 and 7 of our passage in Philemon. Having this great hope, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in increasing your knowledge of what we have in Christ and putting into practice all the good that God wills for us. And do this all for the sake of Christ. Your love has been a joy and encouragement that has refreshed the hearts of God's people. Paul is reminding Philemon how the gospel changes us. How the great hope that we have in Christ produces faith, produces love. How the gospel aligns our thinking not to respond how the world responds, but to respond with the love that was first shown to God's people. Friends, it's for this reason I chose as our Old Testament reading, Hosea chapter 3. For the Lord instructs Hosea to love his wife Gomer again, even though she's an adulteress. He instructs him, love her as I have loved the Israelites, though they have turned to other gods. Friends, Gomer is a picture of sinful Israel. Gomer is a picture of us. That while we were sinful, while we loved the things of this world, God loved us. While we worshipped various gods, God sent Jesus. He rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into his kingdom. That's the gospel. That's the hope we have. And it's with this encouragement and this reminder of this great hope, a hope that has given us faith in Jesus Christ and a love for all the saints, that Paul then makes his appeal to Philemon. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Fireproof. It's a movie calling to love your spouse, not because you yourself are feeling loved, but because of the love you have first received in Christ. When Caleb, the main character, realizes the message of the, of the gospel, despite being lo- um, 
of the gospel, being loved despite his behavior and his sinfulness, despite his own constant rejection of God, that he was loved by God, knowing that God's love is not transactional, that God's love is given from a position of grace. When Caleb, Caleb realizes this, he reconciles that he will love his wife despite how his wife treats him. Friends, 1 John 4.19, the Apostle John says this, We loved because he first loved us. Uh, the word love is the Greek word agape. It's the same word used in our passage today. And I'm not sure if you know this, but there are different words in the Greek for the word love. Like phileo, eros, storge, and agape. And agape is a love which expresses self-sacrificial love. It's a love shown to express the giving up of one's life for another. It's the same love Jesus had shown on the cross for us. The love he had shown as he gave up his life so that we may have life. As Paul writes to Philemon, he appeals to him not from a position of authority, but appeals to him for love's sake. To love with the same love Christ loved. To love sacrificially, as he has been doing already with all the saints. And so Paul says, verse 10, he says this, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. Now friends, what is Paul saying here? Well, Paul is saying Onesimus has become a Christian. And before his conversion, he was useless. But now he's become both useful to you and to me. Now, friends, there is a play on words here that, isn't, that is missed in the English. Onesimus, that name, it means useful. But Onesimus hadn't lived up to his name. From our passage, we know that Onesimus was a terrible slave. He ran away. He stole from his master. But what does Paul say now? Well, he says Onesimus is now useful. He's living up to the name that he was given. He is both useful to you and to me. Paul says, I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent. So that any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have, you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. Uh, Paul says that he has been useful already. That Onesimus has been helping him while in prison. And that he would be useful to Philemon if he were to be sent back. However, he would be of, of use to Philemon, 
not only just as a fellow man, perhaps suggesting as your slave, but also as a brother in the Lord. Now, what, this, what does this mean exactly? Well, perhaps understand what Paul might be saying here. It's helpful to think about what Colossians 3, verse 22 to chapter 4, verse 1 says. Uh, if you have your Bibles open in front of you, uh, please turn to Colossians chapter 3, verse 22 with me where Paul instructs the church at verse 17 of chapter 3, that in all that they do, whether in word or deed, to do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And then he gives an example of what this looks like by explaining how the gospel transforms households. Look with me at what Paul says about slaves and masters. Colossians chapter 3, verse 22 to chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to carry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Paul is saying to Philemon, if you have Onesimus as your slave, he will be so much better to you, so much more useful. Why? Well, because he's ultimately serving Christ, just as you are. Each of you have Christ as your master. You both serve Him. And so as you serve Christ together, do it for His glory. Do it with joy. Do it with thankfulness. Friends, I think this is also a great reminder for each of us that in all that we do, we are to do it for Christ's glory. We are to do it with thankfulness because the gospel has freed us to do it. Now, friends, what Jesus does for the Christian is that he reconciles us to the Father. He transfers us from the dominion of darkness into his kingdom. He frees us from the powers and authorities that once controlled us, having nailed them to the cross. And he reconciles relationships that were once broken through the restorative power of the gospel. So having said all this, Paul then says, if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. Accept him. Accept Onesimus. Not just, as, not just as a slave returning to you, but as a partner in the gospel. One who will be useful to you. But if there are difficulties in welcoming and accepting Onesimus, Paul says, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. And what does Paul mean here when he says, you owe me your very self? Well, Paul's not referring to any material debt that Philemon might owe him. Paul is referring to Philemon's very life, that through his ministry, Paul spoke the gospel to him. Paul was instrumental in his conversion. One commentator I was reading at this point, I said this on, this on these verses. 
He said, even though Paul alludes to Philemon's conversion here, it's perhaps significant that he does not call him his son, as he did with Onesimus. Here the note that Philemon owes Paul his very self essentially reduces him to be Paul's slave. If so, the rhetorical intent is clear. If Paul does not insist on Philemon's status as one who owes his very self to Paul, Philemon likewise has no rights of ownership over Onesimus. I think what Paul is saying here is, I don't treat you as a slave, so please don't treat Onesimus as one. I treat him as one who is dear to me. Can't you do the same? Also, what you have been given through my ministry is far greater than anything that has been taken from you. In Christ, you have been given treasures and an inheritance far greater than any money or goods taken from you. As Christ loved you and gave himself up for you, can you now love Onesimus? Can you accept him as you would have accepted me? as one who is like you, redeemed and united to Christ. Paul says, refresh my heart in Christ. I am, more, I am confident of your obedience, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. A Paul, for the first time, put some authority behind his words. And I think the authority isn't necessarily because he is an apostle but the authority lies in the words he has already said. Because Philemon has received the gospel, and having been reminded of what he has received, it should produce an overwhelming desire to live for Christ. What Christ has done should transform our behavior to not act like the world around us, but to act having been first given a great inheritance. Now friends, this is a great reminder for us that having been transformed by the gospel, that we should not act as the world does, not receiving justice because it is owed to us, not receiving rights because of the laws of our land say that we deserve them. What Paul has shown to Philemon, has shown to us, is that the gospel changes us, the gospel transforms us, that we respond with thanks and praise for what Jesus has done. That all that we do, whether in word or deed, we give glory to God. And when that is a struggle to do, Paul encourages us to see what we have been given. He says, look what Christ has given us. Look at the debt that was paid by Christ Jesus. Look at your inheritance and the hope that is stored up for you in heaven. When you are struggling to love your spouse, remember the love that has been shown to you. When you are struggling to forgive that friend of yours, remember how much you have been forgiven in Christ Jesus. And when you are struggling not to be bitter to those who have wronged you, but recall that when you had wronged Christ, he still loved you and died for you, even while you were trapped in the dominion of darkness. In that movie, Fireproof, when Caleb is sitting at that campsite with his father, 
And he is frustrated by his wife's lack of concern and her constant bitterness. Caleb says, I have taken in her insults and her sarcasm, but last night was it. I made dinner for her. I did everything I could to demonstrate that I care about her, to show value for her, and she spat in my face. She does not deserve this, Dad. I'm not doing it anymore. How am I supposed to show love to somebody over and over and over who constantly rejects me? But then Caleb, as he sits at that campsite, he sees the cross. And his father explains to him that what he is experiencing from his wife is what he has done to the Lord. Caleb's father says the cross was offensive until he came to it. But when he came to it, Jesus Christ changed his life. When Jesus effectually accords the Christian, when he shows you his love and forgiveness, he does a work in you and he changes you. If you have come here today looking for love, looking for forgiveness, the message of the cross is for you. The message of who Jesus is and what he has done is for you. To be loved by him to be forgiven by Him, to be changed by Him. And for the Christian, the cross is the reminder of what we have already been given in Christ. The cross is there to align our thinking, not to act as the world does, but to respond with the love and forgiveness. To love as we have been loved. To forgive, to forgive knowing how much we have been forgiven. Jesus said to the Pharisee in Luke 7, As a sinful woman washed his feet, those who have been forgiven much will love much. Friends, as we recall how much we have been forgiven in Christ, we are to respond with love. Not because those around us necessarily deserve it, but because he first loved us and gave himself up for us, his church. How about we pray? Our Heavenly Father, our Lord, we thank you so much for the gospel. We thank you that through Christ you have rescued us from the dominion of darkness and, in, and you have transferred us into your marvelous kingdom. You have given us life, dear Lord. Our Father, we thank you that while we were undeserving of your grace and mercy, you loved us and you forgave us. Our Father, you reconciled us by the blood of Christ to be in relationship with you, to be able to call you our Father. Our Father, what a grace and mercy you have shown to us. Our Father, we pray, help us now to love, knowing how much we have loved, been loved. Help us, Lord, to forgive, knowing how much we have been forgiven. Help us, Lord, to uh, reflect Christ in our interactions and help us to do this by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.